I forgot the SIM card. You went to the drugstore and got one to the Walgreens. The SIM card that records this audio. Yeah. I feel shame. You do? I do. Oh, why? Because it's not the first time I forgot it. Oh, that's true. I feel ridiculous. <laughs> it's like the fourth time. <laughs> it's the fourth, third time. Third Maybe fourth. Maybe fourth. Why do I forget the SIM card? Why? I, I know. Why? That's interesting. I don't have a system. Well, maybe like there's you're scared of something. Maybe. I felt that way this morning. You did? Well, I just had this feeling like I want to go in and I just wanted to like shame you. Oh, For so what? Weird. Nothing. I don't know. You I just to shame me? I wanted to like just say mean things to you. Go ahead. Say mean things to me. This uh, is exciting. <laughs> things like you're an asshole, Dave. Uh-huh. I fucking hate this. I hate you. I hate I hate everything about this. About the podcast? Yeah, but or everything we're doing. Yeah, but it's not true. That's the problem. I understand it's not true. Okay, all what, right. what 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 is what's going I don't know. on? I was just I I just felt very resistant and scared. I you know, yes yesterday I listened to the podcast that we did last time. Mm-hmm. And I was I'm always a little nervous to hear them, but Maybe more so this time. Uh, be- well, one, you named the podcast. What'd you name it? Um, they're going to think g- you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a good title. It was. <laughs> it was a good title. And I, but I was, you were, by crazy, you were referring to me. And so <laughs> I, I just, you know, cause, because I felt like last time I let myself say more than I normally do. Yeah. You seem more relaxed. Less yeah. guarded, less careful. Yeah. And uh and uh, and then actually when I listened to it, I was like, oh, it's it's not bad. It's it wasn't I didn't say anything that really made me squirm too much. And so I you know, I've, I felt good about that. But then I thought, oh, what else is gonna come out of me? I don't know. But I I know that it, I have been, I think as a result of doing this podcast, I've been saying more. I've been just letting myself say more of what I think to everyone. Really? And it's a little unfiltered. It's it's not thought out. It's just it's just coming out. I did it with my friend yesterday. I was just I'm gonna just let myself say everything. And it made me realize that that thing that Jordan Peterson says, like you have to be able to have the free speech. You have to be able to say everything. I mean, you've said this too, like yeah. to just say it all so that you know what you're thinking so that then you can get the feedback from yeah. people who are listening and then that can inform you and it can help you to come to a philosophy, a worldview, like a, a, a stronger place inside yourself of what you think, of what you know to be true. Yeah. And not just that your thoughts are running inside your head, like not examined. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, you don't know what you're going to say. And when you say things, you know, people can listen to one thing and take it as that's her truth. Yeah. And that's not true. (laughs) All the time, you know. Mm -hmm. 
it's just true in it might not even be true in this moment i'm just you know to just let myself speak i feel like you said all these things before but yeah, now but, i'm you know it's important to say again these are this is an important concept to understand yeah and there's so much control out there about what we say and think it's i feel constricted and we're pushing back against something and it's hard and i i feel the restriction inside my own mind and it feels tight and that that's where the resentment comes from if i I can't speak freely if i can't say what i want to say if i'm getting shut down if i'm being told i'm bad or wrong or trying to explore ideas knowing that i'm i I know that i'm a good person i know that i'm trying to get to the truth i know that i'm compassionate i know that i'm for uh the the good the good of all human beings i don't i don't question that about myself so trying to and trying to get to the truth of something is how you do that but ideology gets in the way and ideology isn't really interested in the truth ideology is interested in keeping cohesion in the group they don't care if they're telling each other lies but people are rising up people are speaking out i think the truth is winning ultimately i hope so i think that that's true i mean something must be happening because it's i feel it happening inside of me yeah and it feels like i almost can't help it like it's it's just coming out. These people are satanic. <laughs> well, I'm telling that, you, I really believe well, that. No, They're in that, the grips of evil. Well, that's what I've been researching the, these past few weeks. Really? So, yeah. Evil? Yes, Satanism? Evil. And, you know, I think I said in the last podcast, you know, I'm, I'm reading Course in Miracles, studying it, really, mm-hmm. and it talking about that evil is not real in a certain way. And I understand that again, it's not easy for me to explain what that means in Course in Miracles. But mm-hmm. but in this world, I'm coming to my understanding that evil actually is real. Totally real. And that you have to I have to be able to see it and explore all the the ways that it manifests. I mean, maybe I don't have to explore all the ways, but I'm seeing a lot of a lot more ways that it's manifesting, and it's scary to look at. And, um. But, but then I think about you know what my former teacher and therapist said that if you don't if you don't know that you're in a lie, you can't get out of the lie. Right. And so. If if I'm able to see these things, then then there's a way to there there must be a way to come out of it. Um. But but again, there must be a way for others to come out of the lie, or for you to come out of your lie. For for all of us to come out right, of the lie, out of whatever this lie is. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever yeah. the lie is. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I'm going to assume the lie that we've been telling ourselves up to this point has been serving us in some way. Right. Right, like we create these structures and externally and internally in order to survive whatever moment we're in, as we evolve through this world, evolve through life, and then that story that we're telling ourselves no longer becomes useful, and so they change. It changes, but people are holding on to the old stories because that's what they know. That's what we all do. We all do that in some way, and society does it. Well, you know, the other thing is that. Um, just thinking about how I was coming, I was driving here and thinking of all the things that I wanted to say to you. And it was like just feeling this, this, 
rage come out. Why? What is that about? Well, I we think because you, you know, you've given me this platform mm-hmm. to speak, to, to say what I think. And when someone has helped you to see the evil inside of yourself mm-hmm. or in the world. Right. I think naturally what's going to happen is that then I want to see you as evil. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm, Because I don't want to see it. I want to stay in the place that I was before. Right. And so then I have to make you the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Like, no, what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is bad. This is bad. What we're doing here is this. It's harmful. Right. It's going to hurt people. It might hurt us. And so, you know, that's, that's where my mind can go and it can latch onto it. Sure. And really believe it and, and do all sorts of things. Like, like I could immediately shut this down, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm, I could just be out and then there'd be no, this part of the podcast. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just aware of that. I'm aware of that inside of me, how easily that could happen because I, of my own fear of seeing the evil inside of me and in, in, in the world. Because if you go all the way into the truth, if you let go of the lie, what is, what does that mean for you? It means going to happen. How are things going to change? Then other people can do that to me. If I start to point out. Make you bad. Yeah. Shame you. Yeah. Like what you're doing is wrong and bad Mm -hmm. and, and harmful. Right. And not true. You're saying that you're, you're just speaking the truth and it's, it's just their lies. Right. And you're perpetuating harm and it's dangerous. Evil is fear. That's it. It's fear. It's terror. Trying to avoid feeling. Trying to regain control. Trying to make it safe. It will do anything it has to do. Anything at all. Kill, lie, cheat, steal. Of course. Imagine you're in a state of terror. You would do anything. You would do anything to get out of that state. And your mind would rationalize anything. It would make up any story that it had to make up. Mm-hmm. To make sense of it, mm-hmm. to make sense of whatever action you wanted to take. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing when I was doing ayahuasca ceremonies with Shaman Dave or Tete during the ceremony. I've, I've talked about this before. I would often think that they had been programmed by some kind of alien entity and that the chants mm-hmm. they were now chanting, singing, were programming me to be some alien slave. I thought that a hundred <laughs> fucking percent. It, I mean, and of course that was terrifying. Terrifying to think that thought and you, you're trying to get out of it. And and the, the motivation to get out of it is if I believe that I'm in hell. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to choose not to believe that. Mm-hmm. I have to have faith. I have to surrender. I have to trust in their benevolence. Somehow, some way. That's what you decided to do. That's what, what else can you do? Otherwise you're in a state of complete terror. Being programmed by alien language to be a slave. But that's where my mind went. 
because what was actually happening? Well, I drank the ayahuasca. It's serving as a kind of anesthetic. It's opening me up. And these chants are coming in. They have a vibration. And they are uh, pushing up against, breaking up, however you want to think about it, my vibration, my structure. Your defense. My defense. Mm -hmm. They're breaking it up. They're confronting it. They're trying to dissolve it. And so the construct of my reality is being shattered. And my ego doesn't want that. So my ego is going to see whatever is challenging it, whatever is trying to break it up as evil. Because it is to that, to the ego, to right. that aspect yeah. of myself. Yeah, It's trying to kill me, trying to kill that part of myself. Mm -hmm. Now it's doing that in order to set me free. But the ego doesn't know that. The ego doesn't care. The ego is just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, there are people out there who are going to see us as... Uh, evil. Evil. As aliens who are trying to program them into slavery. <laughs> or that may we've been captured. We're in some cult. Maybe we're the satanic reptilian overlords. Maybe we are. <laughs> Maybe we don't know. Maybe we are. Maybe we are the evil ones. So what? Who cares? Fuck all you. I mean, if we were evil, I think we should be better paid. That's true. I mean, if I'm going all the way into the evil, there should be more money involved. That's how I know I'm not evil. Okay. Well, I'm reading this book. What book? The Handbook of Spiritual Warfare. What? Jesus. Are you um, prepping as well? Well, I, I've been, I'm being given these suggestions by my former teacher slash therapist who shall not be named. Oh, um, I see. This is the woman that helped you uh, understand that evil was real. Yeah. And so she suggested this book. And so wow. I started reading it. It's got demons in it and, you know, Bible verses and. Anyway, um, look at you. I know it's a little weird, you know, that I'm that I'm reading this. However, um, it is interesting. Wait, we were we were talking about something now. What were you just saying? I, I lost spiritual my... warfare. No, we're we're good. Keep going. Here we go. Are you getting nervous about talking about Probably. the fact that you're reading a book about spiritual yeah. warfare and everybody's going to think you're some fucking wackadoo? Oh, God. You're in a cult. Course of Miracles. Dave has indoctrinated you. Well, there's something that I'm... I, I think that I'm just being shown more yeah. of that I haven't really wanted to look at. I've been more interested in learning about love. You know, Love? <laughs> Um, let me just even. say, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? This is what you're into. This is what this is what you're following. This is what's fascinating to you. Let yourself have it. Okay. Don't assign any meaning to it. Don't let anyone else put their meaning on it. This is just what you're interested in. It's I was talking to Diana last night, and I was like, why does Elon Musk want to go to the moon? I mean, we could we could come up with all kinds of reasons. There's only one reason. He wants to go to the moon. He wants to go to Mars. That's it. Is there a reason? He wants to go to Mars. That's enough of a reason. Hmm. That's why we do anything. We make up all these reasons 
and rationalizations, but we just do what we want to do. We just follow what we're interested in. That's what you're doing. That's all we can do. Well, I think part of the reason is because I want to be able to hold a bigger container, you know, for whoever walks in the door, you know, that, that I am able to not be afraid of whatever is coming demonic forces coming into our workshop exactly what, what which i'm, I'm by the way not in the inviting <laughs> and, sounds like you are inviting well i know just that i want to i want to i want to be aware you know of 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 what's there i mean so in this book he he starts out by talking about how his daughter uh got possessed and it's it's in the introduction and i read this introduction and i'm like what no <laughs> like when was it written it was written i don't know probably in the 70s i don't i don't know exactly 70s it, it, uh, yeah i'm not sure okay um but he's a pastor and his wife calls him and she's like you have to come home our daughter is being like she's be being possessed and she's acting crazy and and then he comes home and she's screaming, leave me alone, and and saying all this stuff. And then he basically casts this demon out of her. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking like, no, that's not a demon. Like he says that then she becomes sweet and obedient and, you know, just the responsible daughter that he, he knows and loves. Right. And I'm thinking, no, that's not a demon. That is her lower self like the the part of her that's it's not even i don't even know if it's the lower self it's just like some part of her energy that has needed to come out is right. coming out but then later on in the book he talks about another uh ex experience that his daughter has with this this friend of hers and it does actually sound like a demon but i don't know you know i don't know like if these things are true or not but there is something about the idea that if we're not in our bodies, like what we talk about, like mm -hmm. one of the defenses mm -hmm. is that we, we're not inhabiting our bodies. We're, we're in our heads or we're out of our heads. Yeah. And then there are potential other energies that can enter the body. Yeah. I think that's Do you true. believe that's true? I don't know if they're demons. I don't know if they're entities. I don't know if it's other people's energy needs. Uh, I felt once uh, a woman when I was back in my youth, younger man, um, she, I felt her energy. I mean, I'd never had this experience before, but she came right in through my lower chakra, right? My root chakra. And like attached up into my second chakra. What? Like, like I felt it. Like I felt it happen in the moment. It's she like, was in front of you. She, we were both naked. We had just had sex. We were on the floor. There was a lot of weirdness in the relation. Like it was it, the sex was sort of. I don't want to say it was dark, but there was a, there was something shadowy in it that we were both being drawn to. And, uh, and I think there was a, uh, an uncertainty about whether this was actually going to be a relationship or not, or if this was just some kind of sexual thing, some tryst, I don't know. And 
I felt in this one moment, and the, I'll tell you, the energy in the room was weird. Like mm. everything was surreal. And I could feel that. She could feel that. There was something going on. And it was something happening between the two of us. Like I, I could feel there was something that was wanting to be worked out or resolved or something was dark in the field mm. and unsettling. And, but it was also in some way intoxicating and fascinating and mm. interesting. But I felt something come in through, through like the, my bottom chakra there and reach up and grab. Whoa. Grab. Yeah, grab. Oof. Hold on. Oof. And it turns out I later discovered she was borderline essentially, mm-hmm. or at least borderline, borderline. And we know about borderlines that they're in a state of terror and they want to hold on to something. They can't feel themselves. They can't ground themselves. So they, they want to grab on to something else so that they can feel safe. And I felt in this moment where she, she reached in and grabbed me in the place where she could get in, oh, which God. was a distortion in my sexuality. Like that there was some, something there, some leaky energy in my sexuality. Mm. And she just, I mean, she wasn't doing it consciously, but it just, it just came in. And I, I felt the moment it happened. And I remember looking at her and just feeling suddenly like we were tethered and it scared me. And it's one of the things, you know. I, I think about it's one of the things we teach. It's like it's an image that George Hunter is used with me that you are a container. Think of yourself as a as a container. And where is your container leaking? Mm-hmm. Right? Where is it cracked? Where do you need to shore it up? Because it's in those cracks that energy can get in. Mm-hmm. Other people can get in, control you, manipulate you. Mm. Right? Places where you're weak. Mm. Places where you have pain or fear, right? Leaky energy. And where you don't have clear boundaries, unexpressed need, unexpressed grief or rage. Like these are all places where you can have leaky energy, holes in your energetic system. And that's where people can get in. That's, that's, you know, that's what Laura Matsu is talking about. What happened with this woman? How, how did, um, well, uh, yeah, there was a, a, I felt that I was kind of possessed by her. And how did you get out? Uh, it was not easy. It was painful. It was really, really painful mm-hmm. and really hard. And it took a lot of courage and fortitude and confrontation of a lot of my distortions Mm. and there was all all of my mother stuff was connected to it Mm. i mean i see that now i didn't know it at the time but i guess my point is yeah i think people can come in and get a hold of us i mean we all have experiences like that we have exes or friends Mm-hmm. that we're enmeshed with in mm-hmm. some way. Right. And there's an unspoken contract about how we are going to be with each other. 
and we see at certain points, you know, as in we, we see that it's inhibiting our freedom. That we actually can't tell the truth. Mm. And if we do break that contract, if we do speak the truth, if we do change the game that we're playing, they're going to feel betrayed. They're going to feel angry. Mm. And they're going to attack us. They're going to make us bad. They're going to make us wrong, which is exactly what this woman did when when I ultimately broke up with her, even though she knew in the moment that we had to break up. She wasn't disputing the breakup or my rationale for it. What was your rationale? I just, well, that she was, it, that it was, the relationship was uh, dark. It was destructive that we were drawn to each other through our trauma. Mm. And that we did not have the capacity, the awareness to be able to work through that together. Mm. I mean, I think ultimately all couples in some way are drawn to each other through their trauma. And they they come to a point in the relationship where they have to deal with it, take responsibility for it, work, pa- work through it. Mm-hmm. move past it or not or break up and you have to choose somebody in relationship that you feel that you can do that with mm-hmm. that's committed in that way because it's painful that's what i feel like i have with diana that's like one of the primary reasons that i stayed through the difficult time that we had you know a couple of months ago because i was like i feel like i can work through this with her mm. we're both committed mm-hmm. and she hasn't both of us have enough of uh enough enough awareness to be able to sort through this but that wasn't true with this other woman mm. right it was just going to continue to be a cycle of madness and cruelty and dark sexual acting out mm. i mean it was exciting mm-hmm. but it was satanic Well, that's interesting because that leads me to the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, Mm -hmm. which I wasn't sure I wanted to talk to you on this podcast about, but I I guess I'm doing it now. Um, So the other thing that my former teacher slash therapist sent me was this video on uh, Alfred Kinsey. Do you know? No. He, He did those those experiments on sexuality. Oh yeah. There was the Kinsey report, right? So apparently, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm talking about this. Oh my God. (laughs) Are you going, are you you the female Alex Jones now? A little bit. Yeah, I guess so. Cast out demons. (laughs) Um, so apparently he knew or this, this guy, um, who was a pedophile. Mm. And um, he knew that he wasn't going to be able to stop him from doing what he was doing. So he asked him, well, you're doing these things. You can't stop it, but at least you can do something good for humanity. And so he taught him how to do scientific experiments Mm -hmm. and like basically uh, keep a a track, a record, a log of all of his encounters with these children um, from ages two months to 15 years old. And 
over the I think it was a number of years uh like there were like 300 some children that he abused but he kept records detailed records of every everything and as I'm listening to this I I feel like I'm, I'm I was listening to it in the car I felt like I was about to throw up I it was it's it's it was a lot you know to like think about and to contemplate that idea mm-hmm. because Kinsey apparently used those reports those those experiments as part of his findings mm-hmm. and but I don't I don't think I think for a long time people didn't know that that was part of it that basically the idea that we are um, these these two month year old babies could have uh, orgasm, you know, could mm-hmm. could they had a sexual response, right? And that we are sexual from basically the time that we're born, we're right? Sexual Nobody being. asked Kinsey, how did you fucking figure that out, bro? Well, exactly. So, um, so yeah. So I'm listening to this, and, and you know. <sighs> Some of this is just, it's just hard to believe, you know, your mind, your mind is just like, what, you know, like, I, I mean, I know you like to go there, but for me, it's like, I don't, there's some way it's like, whoa. Right. And, but, but if I really, when I, as I was listening, I was like, this, this is, this is probably true. You know, there's probably truth to this. And that if I really take that in as truth Mm -hmm. I started to feel like then I I had my session with my therapist and he said this thing like you know I was like like he said yeah that's it's probably true and then I was like that's so fucked up and he said well where there is taboo there's going to be distortion and it, I just started to like, I started to see everything. Like I started to see my, me, Ferd, my parents, his parents, like all of the generations before. I just started seeing the world at, and, and lifetimes before of how much taboo has existed around sexuality mm-hmm. in lifetimes, you know, and that there still exists so much taboo and what that, and the distortion that that taboo has created in our energy. And I just started to cry. Like I cried so, I cried so hard that I almost passed out. And uh, my therapist had to, like he, he helped me breathe for like five minutes. And when I, when, as I, as I started to come back, like I, I just felt like at any moment I could fall asleep. It was like, it was really strange, mm. but I was, you know, we were talking, then I'd be like, oh, I could feel, I feel like I could fall asleep. And just, uh, it was like, like holding this, this idea of like how much evil gets perpetrated onto children. Yeah. You know, on like, just even you talking about the distortion in your sexuality, you Mm -hmm. know, where did that come from? Yeah. Where did that come from? Yeah. And so, uh, um so i want to understand the the distortion of pedophilia pedophilia is a distortion that comes from sexual taboos is that the suggestion 
that the, that the taboos in the culture around sexuality creates a create kind of distortions, and one of those distortions is is pedophilia. Yeah. That if the energy is allowed to, I mean, you know, there are, of course, there. Well, what? Are, it, what? It, yeah. Yeah. I. I. What is that? You're saying that if uh, if there were no sexual taboos, if if people were raised uh, perfectly, and their sexuality was allowed and held in a in in a perfect way, whatever that might be. There has to be boundaries. There yeah. has to be environmental frustration in a way. Right. But I guess that has to be held gently and thoughtfully and with awareness. And, and so in in that perfect world, there would be no pedophilia because there would be no acting out because there'd be no taboo and no distortion. Is that? I think or people so. just some people just born fucking freaks. I mean, you know, when I asked my therapist if he'd ever worked with a, a pedophile before, and mm-hmm. he said he hadn't, but he worked with somebody who had looked at child pornography. And he said the way that he worked with him was to, you know, like he really just saw him in his, he held him in the innocent place in him. Right. And then also the perpetrator. And like he worked with both of those energies and eventually those energies came into integration and he's he he doesn't know where he is now but he said at the time he stopped looking at child pornography Mm. and i just thought that was so beautiful you know it's like okay there's a way to to really hold this i mean i I think on some level that's what we're doing you know like we're, we're working with energies inside the person and trying to help them come into deeper integration that's what I want in, in myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess there's some way in which it's like, I don't know. It's, there was something about hearing him say that it's like the taboos, like what are the taboos inside of me? You know? Well, yeah. Well, the other thing I just want to say is that if any, um, I think most people, if they caught somebody diddling their child, they would kill them. Mm-hmm. on the spot. And I don't think anybody in the community would really protest that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or very few would. Right. Which is interesting. That that's the, it's a kind of natural instinct. It's a natural thing. instinct. It's yeah. not, it, 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 and it feels right. Right. It feels correct. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it is backed up by the facts that we know that pedophiles, it's almost impossible to reform them. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's some instinct we have as a, as a species to kill these people. Mm. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Not not uh, beat or punish or uh, throw in jail and have them suffer. That doesn't that doesn't feel like like they're they're disease or something. Like I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. But that there's something so wrong with them. Mm-hmm. That we have to kill them because we can't have them fucking the children. Mm. That it's actually the right thing to do. It's the compassionate thing to do for the culture, for the, even for the person. I'm not endorsing that. I'm just saying that's the impulse that I think a lot of people have. Mm. Pedophilia, really? You need to bring this up? 
I mean, everybody's talking about it, though. It's everywhere. Well, it hasn't been everywhere in my world, but it's it's somehow well it's on the right. In. It's it, right. you know that's the whole QAnon thing. It's the world is run by pedophiles. It's an elite pedophile network that's running the world. I mean, is that true? I went. I don't. I don't know about that. What What are your thoughts about that? I I don't know. I all I know is what I know, which is that Epstein had an island, and I don't know if it was like. Six-year-olds, but there was definitely underage women there. And Clinton and Gates and others seemed to be involved. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing was swept under the rug. They have data, hard drives, black books. They have all that. The FBI has it all. So there's names in there. Maybe there's videos of Clinton diddling a 12-year-old. I don't fucking know. Hmm. Something, though, is covered up. So there's something dark. There's something very dark. And, and you know, I know how common pedophilia is. I mean, how many clients do you have that people's stories that you hear about people saying, you know, this right. happened to me. Right, that's true. It's common. I mean, we know that from the statistics. Never mind our own experience. It's it's common. Yeah, that among especially mm-hmm. among girls, but also among boys. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, definitely around boys. I mean, look at the Catholic Church. Look at the scandal that was there. Mm-hmm. They're still going strong. Well, even mothers with their sons. Even mothers with their sons, which is hard to. Well, a lot of it's covert. Right. It's not direct. Yeah. I mean, look what we do to Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan. We sexualize them when they're very, very young. 12, 13, 14, 16. And then... When you say when they, we sexualize The culture. Them. The culture sexualizes how, them. How do, what, what do you mean when they you exploit, say that? They exploit their sexuality... The media does. Hit me, baby, one more time. Oh. Hit me, baby, one more time. Mm. What does that mean? It means fuck me, hit me, but also hit me. Mm-hmm. A 16-year-old girl mm-hmm. running around in a schoolgirl skirt, short, like a stripper, boobs hanging out. Hit me, baby, one more time the fuck mm. I mean I get it mm-hmm. but she doesn't know what's going on she doesn't know what she's doing she's being exploited not only by the by the culture by the industry by her own parents mm-hmm. and then she turns into a crazy person out of control her sexuality is all over the place obviously and then we shame her for being a hoe we're fucking dark, man. I'm telling you. I was doing an interview yesterday and a guy asked me, what? Well, I was just going to say, I, I, I think part of the reason why I, I bring this up is because somehow it feels connected. You know, I mean, 
Wilhelm Reich, yeah. the grandfather of core energetics. Mm-hmm. This was his whole thing around sexuality. It was like the sexual impulse. Like if, if, if we're allowed, if the energy is allowed to be as it is, then we, we will come to self-regulation. Right. And so in all these places, like he, I guess he believed, this is what I just learned, that, that our distorted sexuality was connected to fascism. And that when, when I heard that, I was like, that makes sense mm-hmm. because fascism is about control. Yeah. And so on some level, like we're all these we're things that we're fascism. talking about, we're, we're talking about like being controlled, you know, freedom of speech, freedom, you know, right. like, like what all this is, is about freedom. We're, we're, what we're what we're what we're about is about freedom mm-hmm. and what we're trying to get out from under the 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 evil of control right and so that it's all sexual repression it may be maybe and sexuality being life force you know that that um yeah th- th- this is all th- that there's something connected here i feel uncomfortable right now you do <laughs> yes because i know where this conversation could go oh where i don't know where's it going well, look at the shit that happens at our workshops the stuff that i've done stuff that you've done i've watched you do i've watched you know you've watched me do going into the darkness of our sexuality yeah in front of a room of people right acting it out I mean, you can go and watch my group documentary series and you can watch a man act out. I mean, it's all safe. I mean, there's pillows and everybody's conscious and everybody knows what's happening. It's explained. But he's raping and killing. Mm-hmm. He's acting out raping and killing his mother. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's nobody in the room that's really questioning it. They're all like, they get it, in other words. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to them, be, given what that moment is. I mean, that happens to me in workshops all the time where you feel this impulse for it to go somewhere dark sexually. Mm-hmm. That, that, that needs to be expressed. And there's an edge there, obviously, because people can be triggered. They can be upset. Their own history gets activated. Or it's painful. It's scary. But I'll always look around the room. I'll name the thing that I'm thinking first of all, I'll say this, you know, I'll say something to the effect of like, I want you to tell me exactly how you're feeling about what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, this is my instinct. It may be right. It may be wrong. Mm-hmm. So I want to give them permission to speak freely. Mm-hmm. And then I say, this is what I'm thinking. How does that sound to people? Does that feel right to you? Mm-hmm. And every time people are just nodding their heads like, yeah, yeah, that feels totally, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's apparent in other words, but when you take it out of that context, as I just did and say, oh, there's a video in my documentary, there's a episode where a man acts out killing and raping his mother. (laughs) I mean, a very good question would be why Mm -hmm. it sounds insane. It sounds indulgent. It sounds dark. It sounds demonic. Why are you doing that? Why? Why? Can you explain? Well, because that's what happened to him on some level energetically. He felt violated sexually by 
his mother, covert incest, perhaps, and by others. He says in the in the documentary that it may have been his mother, it may have been his one of his other caretakers, but he felt sexualized in a way that didn't feel good. It was mm-hmm. humiliating, and he felt under their control. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, violation, the rage of that, uh, wanted to uh, come out, be expressed, like his protest, his no, his fuck you, right? When somebody's oppressing us and we're in terror, we want to push back. Our natural instinct is to push back, to make it go away, to to stop it, to kill it. Mm -hmm. But of course, you're a child. You can't do that. So you're helpless. There's nowhere you can go. So you have to disown, disconnect disassociate from those feelings because it's not safe. So in that moment, you're helping him reclaim that aspect of himself, that energy, and then to feel on the other side of that, once he's through that dark impulse, that cruelty, that desire to kill and rape and and regain control. I have control now. Mm -hmm. I'm the fucking one in control. Mm -hmm. You feel that? Fuck you. I want you to feel what you made me feel. Mm -hmm. That's what cruelty is, right? That's the punishment. Right, that's the lower self. But on the other side of that is the pain. Right? The pain and the fear mm. of the helplessness and of the violation. And that that will allow him to come to terms with that, to accept that that's what's happened. Mm. And there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can change it. And this is the world we live in. It's dark. Mm-hmm. And so this our work, a process like that, gives somebody a, a safe space to bring out the dar- darkest aspects of our being. And a lot of that in men and women mm-hmm. is sexual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable. I mean, I don't like to talk about it. I don't like to think about it. I just like to let it flow in a workshop because it's like you get your mind in another state, right? You're mm-hmm. just in this kind of flow state. And so you're, you're beyond the story or the rationalizations or the explanations. And it's just, it just happens. And when you get the, you, when you are in that state and the group is in that state, that kind of stuff just, it just flows naturally. It makes perfect sense, as I said. But talking about it outside of that context can sound insane. Mm. But people are doing it in all kinds of ways, you know, through the kink movement, right? Domination and submission. Mm-hmm. Playing out their stuff. I would say <laughs> I would say their traumas, but they don't like to say that. Mm-hmm. Because it makes it seem like it's there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's fine. It's it's it is healing. I think a lot of the, the kink stuff can be healing. I, I think some of it, there's a there's rationalizations and I think there, there's lies in some of it. But there's so much shame that's attached right, to sexuality right. that maybe that's like a step towards Yes, I agree. Healing. I yeah. agree. It's, a, it's, a, it's helping people release the shame they feel about some of their sexual urges. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you just said, you know, in terms of allowing that impulse to rape and you know, violently rape your mother um, and allowing the energy of that to come out in a, you know, in a safe environment. With intention. With intention. uh, And then 
going underneath that and feeling the pain and, mm-hmm. and the fear and the helplessness yeah. of the child then allows you to come into a more integrated place where right. you can see that that part of you is not bad. It's, right. It just was right. what happened, what what the defense that right. needed to come come in order to be protecting you. Right. And then you can make a different choice. Mm-hmm. Um from that place. Yeah, yeah. Shame is the killer. Shame is the killer. That's the taboo. Which is why you just have to be willing to accept everything about yourself. Mm. Whatever it is, all your dark impulses, all your racist, sexist thoughts, all your own, your bigotry, all your judgments, you just have to observe them. They're not who you are. Mm -hmm. They're defenses. They're creating separation to protect you from something. And once you understand that, you stop judging them. And when you stop judging them, you stop feeling shame about them. When you stop feeling shame about them, they have less control over you. So just accept that you're a fucking psycho. We all are. It's okay. (laughs) I mean, look around. How was it looking around at, what was it? 250 men. 444 men. Oh, was it? 444? Mm-hmm. Wow. In Asheville. Well, I don't know if that's the exact number. That's the number they went with. But. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, at a Boy Scout camp, this beautiful old Boy Scout camp, just an hour outside of Asheville, North Carolina fall Mm. in the mountains all the trees all the colors it was beautiful Mm. it couldn't have been more beautiful and yeah sacred sons man these guys these guys put on a show Mm. and it's for real what they're doing it was it was deep it was awesome to be around that many guys so it was how many days four days uh yeah thursday friday saturday sunday yeah i got there wednesday i was part of the leadership team and so we had some meetings and and you said it was a big leadership team is that right yeah it was at least 100 150 guys so that's included in the 444 yeah no they there were six six men on our leadership team we had 25 guys in our group and uh there were uh, six of us i think as part of the leadership team so uh, a lot of wisdom, a lot, a lot of, you know, a lot of people holding the container, a lot of different kinds of people, different kinds of leaders from, you know, different perspectives. We had elders there. I mean, it was, what they're doing is incredible. It's a real movement and it's powerful and they are very smart. They are in their integrity. Uh, they're very ambitious and, and, and good for them. They should be. They want this thing to be huge. What is this thing? What are they doing? It's a masculine alchemy, I think is their tag. Um, It's men's work. It's men's work. It's community. Mm. It's gatherings. It's healing. They do all kinds of different things, but they're, they're, they're trying to create a, they are creating a worldwide movement, sacred sons Mm. and giving a place for men to come and feel their feelings Mm to connect, to uh, feel, heal, and to reclaim 
lost parts of themselves. There's a aspect of the of what they do. I think I think it's called sacred combat. I'm sorry, I'm butchering this, but they box basically, and it's a huge part of it. It's combat. Oh, and we do it within the group, but we do it slowly. Like it's it's like a minute or two, but you know, one man will come in the middle and he'll claim his space and then he'll pick another man that he wants to fight with. And then there'll be a little facilitation. How are you feeling? Why'd you pick this man? What is this for you? And then they'll get into it and then they'll talk a little after about what happened. And, you know, people have all kinds of issues around combat, around physical violence. They may have been bullied or hit by their father. Maybe they're afraid to throw a punch. Maybe they think there's something wrong with it. They have judgments about it. All kinds of things come up. So it's very deep mm. and beautiful. It's just beautiful. And the guys love it. Mm. And it creates a lot of connection and a lot of men having to confront their fear. I mean, in the end, the last day, it's like they're all, there's a whole, it's like uh, 400 guys and they're you're fighting in front of 400 men cheering. <laughs> And you got your team and they run out and hug you when it's over. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's ritualistic. They're, they're, uh, reinventing in some way, a lot of the rituals that have been lost mm. for men. And we need these things. It feels good. And it, the firmness feels good. Just the masculine energy, the, 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 slight military sports style of leadership. Let's go. Let's go. Hustle up. Circle up, man. You know, it's like that. Mm. And it feels good. And it's direct and it's challenging in a way that our workshops aren't always. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated it. Challenging in what way? Just masculine. Masculinity is more challenging in, in, you know, men are men challenge each other. Like, step up, let's go. Take care of your family. Be better. Do the things you need to fucking do. Mm. Right? It's and that can coexist with I understand your pain. I understand this is hard. Like, we got your back. We're here to support you. Mm. But they're not letting guys off the hook because it doesn't feel good to be let off the hook. We want to be challenged. Mm. We want to do our best. We want to feel like we're taking care of our business. We're taking care of ourselves. We're taking care of a woman. We're taking care of our family. That's when a man feels good. That's when he feels aligned mm. when he's being of service. And so they're challenging men to, to step all the way into that. And, and what were you, what, what were you doing? I was helping facilitate. I was, uh, one of the supporters of the, in, in our leadership team. In what way? What were you like? Were I was you just there to, I don't know, in any way that I could, right? Like we had, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people on our leadership team and Aubert Bastiat, who's an absolutely brilliant facilitator. I was completely blown away by his skill and mm. his presence and his awareness, his knowledge and the things that he says. He's, he's the real deal. I mean, I was, I love that guy. Mm. All of them, Adam Jackson, just powerful, powerful men. Um, I was there really just to support him. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't do much. I just, I said things here and there. I brought my perspective, but there was plenty of leaders there. I have a lot of experience and I, I don't really have an ego around it anymore. I didn't feel this need to 
to do something just to be seen or to prove myself. So I just tried to show up and, and be present and, um, contribute where I could not force anything. Just, just, you know, just sitting, Mm -hmm. uh, and being present, Mm -hmm. um, with your own awareness is, is sometimes all you need. It's, Mm -hmm. it's all the group really needs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just saying little things here and there and encouraging the man. And that was all, that was it. Um, I mean, I contributed more in the, in the, uh, sweat lodges, you know, singing songs. And mm-hmm. so it was great. I mean, I'll definitely go back. I mean, I definitely want to be a part of it because I, I really felt that it's a movement and mm-hmm. it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I felt how much men were getting out of it, how much they loved it, how much mm-hmm. they needed it mm-hmm. and how the format is they've nailed it it's i mean I'm, I'm sure there's always room for improvement i'm sure it'll continue to evolve but they're really getting it right and uh it's you know you can't it, it you know it's if you have a group of 15 men in the room for a weekend yeah you're do you're going to do a different kind of work mm-hmm. right but once you make the decision to have 400 men then you have to it's something else and, you know, I talked to Obear about it. They made that decision, right? We mm. want to reach as many people as possible. So it changes the nature of the way that you do the work. Mm. You're not, you're not going to do the deep, dark, crate. You don't have the space for that. Right. But what they're doing is pretty great. It's mm-hmm. deep, it's powerful, and it's meeting these guys right where they are. It's mm. perfect. It's, it's perfect. Now, if they want to go... And do deeper trauma work. Yeah, maybe, maybe Sacred Sons will have other spaces for that. Or maybe they have to go somewhere else. But what they're doing is, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's great. And it's inspiring. The leadership is strong. I mean, I can't reckon, re- recommend enough for for men out there. If you're if you're a man in your 20s and your 30s and, and you're looking for healing or community or connection and, and you're new to all this, it's, it's the perfect place mm. to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved it. Mm. And it was great for me just to be around a bunch of dudes. Right, exactly. I loved it. I got filled up. I got mm-hmm. inspired. Mm-hmm. I got challenged. In what way? Well, because there's some badass mofos there. Right. Some strong men. Committed. Not fucking around. On point. On mission. And when you see that, you're like, whoa. Okay. Where am I not totally committed? Where am I not all my mission? Mm. Where am I holding back? Where am I being lazy? Where am I not focused? Where am I not present? You know, mm-hmm. I got challenged. Nobody, nobody challenged me directly, but just by their their presence, by their commitment, by the way they were showing up. Mm. You felt challenged. You 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 felt inspired. So I want more of that. I want to be in that energy because mm. I know it's going to make me stronger and better. When you came back, did it? Did that uh, being with that many men affect how you felt with Diana? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely did something. What did it do? Well, we had great sex. <laughs> it. Uh, I mean, I I felt very loving and tender and soft toward her. I felt less of a need to bring her my problems my story Mm. to talk Mm. about myself or what was going on Mm. 
because I'd just gotten all of that out. Mm-hmm. And I could feel the rightness of that. Mm. I don't need to talk to her about everything that's going on in my life and my work. I mean, yeah, highlights here and there. But I don't need to get all the way into it. Mm-hmm. It's better that I do that with the men and just keep that somewhat separate. Mm. And it felt cleaner. So I'm not, because, you know, so I'm not going looking to her for mothering or approval or my need, that young need for reassurance isn't coming at her because that's not sexy. She doesn't want that. Mm -hmm. Well, you, it sounds like you got some of that met by these men, which is where you really needed it from. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the men there were sent by their women, by their woman, oh. by their wife, by their girlfriend, mm. which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Half of the Instagram followers on Sacred Sons are women. Oh, interesting. Which is interesting. Right. So women, Diana is totally into it. Like She's like, I want to go. <laughs> Looks amazing. <laughs> I'm like, well, there's a girl one. She's like, I don't want to go to the girl one. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. I want a box. It's like, yeah, you can't come. Uh huh. So women get it. A lot of women really get it. They're supportive of it. Yeah. And they probably want their man to, yeah, stop bugging me with all your shit. I don't want to listen to you talk about all your sob stories, what's happened at work. Go. Well, it's an amazing thing to think about 444 men together doing this kind of deep work yeah like as a woman just like the like the thought of that that the the energy of that feels so it feels so good yeah no these guys they're changing the world it's gonna get bigger and bigger i think Mm. it's already worldwide they're already in europe Mm. all over the u.s so it's i think it's gonna go worldwide everybody's talking about it A lot of influencers talking about it, so I think it's going to keep building. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to keep growing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know, more moving parts, more people, right, to manage and train, and more conflict, more disagreements about which direction things should go in. Egos get involved. I mean, that's just part of the evolution of any organization so they're going to confront all that i'm sure they already are but they'll get through it Mm. there's 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 strong leadership there and they don't i don't i don't see them becoming corrupted i don't i don't see that they're looking for fame or fortune or success i mean you know everybody is to some degree but i don't think they're not going to sell themselves out Mm. Well, it's 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 so needed. Exactly. It's it's like I'm sure that what Obear created is something that he needed, and right, so like right. to, to really feel mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of keeps you humble. I yes. imagine. Yeah. No, they all felt very humble to me. Mm-hmm. So it was it was good. I was yeah you know, grateful for all of that. I don't know that I realized how much I needed to be around men in that way, how much 
I was longing for that kind of connection and support and community. Mm. So I want more. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Mm. Yeah, I made a lot of new friends. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It's so nice to see you in this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's the part of me is like, I don't trust anybody. <laughs> Fuck all you. <laughs> like, there's I, there's going to be some leadership summit, I guess, and which I, I think I'll go to, I'd like to go to. And I'm sure I'm going to just roll in there and start fuck all you guys stay the fuck away from me i don't trust you motherfuckers you know i mean i have to get that out of the way right right yeah so but that's all part of it i'm scared men are scary oh i didn't feel that here i actually i actually felt nothing but love and support i've i've got a lot of love and support from men tete shaman dave these guys had great coaches along the way. Mm-hmm. Yoshi. Yoshi. But yeah, I felt betrayed by my, I felt, yeah, I was left by my father in, in a way. And although we ultimately reconciled in a, in a beautiful way. And then I was betrayed by my stepfather. Mm-hmm. And that betrayal was devastating. There was the, the decision I made in that moment. For sure. It's like, fuck, fuck, fuck men, fuck, fuck, I don't know, fuck something. Do you still hold that? Like, hold, hold what? The betrayal, the, do you still, have you forgiven him? Well, I, I, I reconciled with him about it directly. So have I forgiven him? Yeah. He's weak. He was weak. Mm. And it disgusts me. Mm. Wow. Yeah. He let his emotions, his resentment, his pain with my mother get in the way of his relationship with me. And he was cruel to me as a way to get to my mother. Mm-hmm. It's hard to forgive that actually. Yeah. I can feel like I, mean, I don't, I don't really forget. I, I, I mean, I, I, I forgive in a way, but it's like, you're, we're done. Mm-hmm. You can't recover from that. Like you, you, I'm not going into a foxhole with you. I can't, you can't be trusted. Unless you truly repent. Unless you truly own it. Mm, But you didn't. Right. I mean, I gave him an out. You know, I reached out. Mm. Is he still alive? I think so. Mm. That's one of the things that I've been thinking about the last couple weeks coming to terms with everything that's going on in the world. We learn more about the vaccine Mm -hmm. and that 
They never even tested to see if it would stop transmission. So they didn't know if it stopped transmission, but that's what they told us. And they shamed us. Do it for your neighbor. If you don't get the vaccine, you're bad. That's what all the mandates were based on. And it turns out it was a lie. How do they recover from that? I don't understand. How do they recover from that? But they are. It's like people are just moving on. Mm. And I guess as I look out at people that I know and love and see how they reacted, whether it was to Trump, whether it was to COVID, I just think the world is filled with cowards and idiots. Is that a judgment? Yeah. But that's what it is. How can I come to any other conclusion? What I do with that, I have to accept it in some way, but courage is rare. It's disappointing. I mean, that said, this past weekend, I saw a lot of courage. Mm. I saw a lot of men in their integrity. I was inspired by that. And I think most people want to be courageous. I think they want to say what's true. I think they're scared. And maybe they don't feel like they have the support. But I really think courage is the most important thing. It's all you have. That's why, you know, with everything that's going on with Kanye, I'm still, I still got his back. Because he's saying what he feels. <laughs> like... I don't care if it's anti-Semitic. I don't know that it's anti-Semitic. I, I I don't know. I don't trust any of that shit. What did he say? That was that people are saying. He's talking about the Jews. You can't talk about the Jews. You just can't even say. You can't talk about the Jews. He said he's going DEFCON 3 on the Jews. That was a tweet. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Defcon, I'm going Defcon three on the Jews tomorrow. I I don't, I don't even know. Every, and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Everyone freaked out. J.P. Morgan canceled his bank accounts. Oh, wow. Oh yeah, you cannot go after the Jews. Did and, he say something though? Um, he went on to say the next day there was some interview about the Jews control the media, and that they're the ones propagating cancel culture and all the all the lies that the media's promoting and the, the devastation that, that that is causing in the culture is Jewish run media. Wow. So, I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, to attribute that to being Jewish, I think is where it gets, mm-hmm. but most of the people who run the media are, yes, they are Jewish. That's true. Most of the people who run Hollywood are Jewish, but if you say that you're considered an anti-Semite, I don't know why. So also if you say it's like it's a lot of black people in the NBA, I guess they must be great athletes. Like that's racist. We talked about that last time. Mm-hmm. Is it racist to say Jews are really good at business and they're very creative and they're, they, they're drawn to media enterprises. I guess that, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's touchy. Mm-hmm. Right. It's touchy. I don't have an opinion on it. I love the Jews. I want to be a Jew. <laughs> Look at them. They're winning all over the place. They're smart and they're rich. Tell me how to do it, Jews. Teach me. 
That's how I feel. Is that anti-Semitic? I don't know. So he said some things that people thought were anti-Semitic, and maybe they were. I don't know. But I don't care. I, I, I just like that he's saying what he thinks. We need more of that. Is he crazy? Maybe. I don't know. Is he getting some things right? Wrong? Both? Probably. Okay, I'm going to say something. Yes. Um, it's interesting that you feel this way about Kanye. Mm-hmm. And you give him a lot of, you know, space to yes. just be. But with your stepfather, yeah. who did this thing right. when you were a child, yeah. it's like, fuck you, you know? And that he can't come back from the the place that uh, where he he can come back. He's got to own it. Well, if even if he doesn't own it, yeah, he can't come back. No, he can't. I don't mean. Well, that- I'm going to open myself up to this fucking coward again. No, I'm not going to do that. He doesn't get back in. You betrayed me. Fucking own what you did. Right. Okay. Take fucking full ownership of it. Come to me, apologize, acknowledge the pain you caused, and then we can talk. Until you do that, you can go fuck yourself. There's nothing to talk about. Do I can do I forgive him? I I understand. I understand. But you said you had some kind of Yeah. Moment. For me, for me. I did something. I took an action to make it right for me. What did you do? Well, he had taken a a print of a very famous Canadian painting that he had given me for Christmas. It had to do with hockey. It was his Ken Danby painting. And he gave it to me for Christmas when I was like, I don't know, 14 or 15. It was hanging on my wall in my bedroom. And when they split up, he took it. He went into my bedroom and took this gift that he had given me, which was meaningful to me. I really loved that thing. It was right in the center of my bedroom. Mm -hmm. He took it. It wasn't his to take. It was a gift that he had given me. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I saw it, I was devastated. Mm. And I went to my mom. I was like, he took this thing. And my mom, would, she didn't, she was like, oh, he's a fucking asshole. She was, you know, triggered. Mm-hmm. She was out of her mind. So I didn't get anything from her. And so years later, I was talking about this in therapy. And my therapist said, why don't you write him and ask for it back? And so I did. Mm-hmm. And he was very happy to hear from me. Mm-hmm. And he sent it to me immediately with a little note that was very kind. And you could see that he was, he felt shame about it. He knew what he'd done was wrong, but he didn't own it. He just, it was like he had, I'd let him off the hook. So he felt gratitude. And he, he definitely sent love through the, the note and compassion and connection but he didn't really own it what what would it what would that have looked like i'm sorry i understand what i did must have been hurtful for you i was angry at your mother i should not have done that i should not have betrayed our relationship it was meaningful to me mm. you were my stepson but you were like a son to me mm. like he should have said that well, well, what? It's so interesting because Ferd's mom was just here, mm-hmm. right? And they have had a very intense conflict for 
I think a few years now. Right. And, you know, she's 80 years old. She hasn't done any work. She's never been in therapy or anything Mm -hmm. like that, you know, and, but she is, we, she and I have developed a relationship over the last few years. We are learning guitar together. Once a month we get on zoom and, and we have these little conversations. I'm getting to know her in a a different way than, you know, how, how her sons, her four sons know her. And so, you know, I'm asking her these very deep questions as I am want to do. And, you know, like I'm learning about her and I'm understanding the way that she thinks and the way that she, she, like more about her history. And, and I'm seeing these things. And then I facilitated two conversations between Ferd and his mom and they have gone terribly, you know, well, the, the first one went really bad. Um, but the, the second one was this past weekend and it actually, it actually like, like she was, she heard some things that I had to say, like, it was like, you know, helping her to really own something, but it was hard. It was very hard for her to, to do that. She got as close as she could as like, it was, it was, I I could see that it was, she did good, you know, as, as far as, uh, like, you know, that, that, that she took a step and for Ferd, it, it wasn't enough. You know, like he mm-hmm. wanted, he wanted what you're saying, you know, like yeah. he wanted the whole, like she wasn't owning the thing, you right. know, and I could see like she, that, that was the step that she could take, right. you know, and it's, it's not over. She's not dead. You know, there's still mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. but just the, there was something in the, and I'm just saying this referred, but like something in the lack of acknowledgement that she even took that step or not that he didn't acknowledge, but, but that there was something that was hard for him to hold that because there was a moment of real healing that happened between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And, and then it just like went away, you know, it was yeah. like, like they, they lost yeah. it. And so I guess, you know, I could see it cause I'm outside of it. I mean, if this was my mom and you know, like Ferd was, facilitating it'd probably be the same thing where it's hard for me to hold right. you know right but i'm just it's it's interesting to to what witness it outside of you know it's like like these are these are old people now you know and it's like this what i saw was her courage like she she came here to austin to try to work something out with her son and right. um it was and she did the best that she could do. And as far as I was concerned, me watching mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. I think she did a fucking amazing job. But that was not really acknowledged by Ferd, you know? Right. And I could, you know, it's like, I guess I'm just hearing something about this. Like, it's like, it's reminding me of of that, you know? I should acknowledge what? That, that your stepfather... That what, did he, what did he do? He, what did he do? He sent your thing... He, After he, I fucking asked yeah that, that's I'm exactly one, what Fred i'm said. the one who did it i'm the one who reached out I'm and the you one had who made it happen that's right and you should have been the one because you're the one who knows more i'm the i'm the one with more fucking courage well you're also the one who has more uh, training okay. yeah, more yeah, yeah. all of that yeah. of course you, and you're you're in a younger generation this is just the way that we do things and i was very aware of that with Ferd's moms like you know, it That's made fine. me more more 
aware that it's like, you know, my mom and dad, like they can't help it. This is just how they were raised. Okay, they They're can't ne- help, but he's still a fucking pussy. Okay. What do you want from me? I mean, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. And I, and I hear, fuck I hear you. you too. I hear you too. Fuck you, motherfucker. He knows. He knows. He knows. Fuck that. He fucking knows. He knows what's right. Does he? Yes, he fucking does. Does but hundred but- fucking percent. He knew what he was doing. That's why when he heard from me, he was so happy to hear because then he got let off the hook. He could release himself from the shame that he felt about what he had fucking done to me. I released him of that shame by forgiving him. I did forgive him by reaching out and saying, hey, that thing was meaningful to me. I'd really like it back. Inherent in that is a forgiveness to let bygones be bygones. So he knows. People fucking know. And I don't care what generation you are. You know what's fucking the right thing to do Mm. if you're a fucking man. Go fuck yourself. And the same is true for me if I did that. I'd want somebody to get up my face and tell me I was being a fucking asshole or being a coward. They should. That would be the right thing to do. Call me out. Hmm. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, life happens. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. And, and you know, listen, is, I, I mean, I'm not going to, it's I'm, different. It's different with women. It's different with the mother. No, no, no. I'm, this I'm, isn't the mother. This is the father. Well, I'm thinking about my father. Yeah. You know, and. But fathers and daughters are also different. Yeah, but I ha- I have the same thing with my dad right now. You know, it's like, right. dad, be a bigger man and call Ferd and apologize for what you did. Like, just do that. Yeah, that's but right. But he's not doing that. Well. And, you know, I I have my issues with that. You know, right. it's like, right. so, so I hear you, you know, and my dad, as I've said before, like he's of the generations, like we don't apologize. Children apologize. Even if the parents did something wrong, children apologize. It's like, okay, good luck with that. <laughs> wow. Look at you over there rolling your well, eyes. Well, yeah, I, you know, that exactly that. I mean, I, I. You know, I see it inferred in his mom. And then, like, I have my own stuff, obviously. I understand. You have to create the space. Let's go back to men. You have to create the space for them to be able to feel their pain, to tell their stories, to talk about what happened to them, to express their shame, all of that, to express their rage, their frustration, their anger. You have to create that space for men. But once that space is created, once once we build that structure where that's a thing that men can do and it's okay, then... Yeah, now you have to be accountable. Now you have to show up for your fucking family. There's no fucking excuse anymore. And if you make a mistake, and you will, own it. As quickly as you can. And come back to integrity. I understand that it's hard. I understand that it's hard. But the pressure has to be put on. The standard has to be set. We need to have that expectation. We have to. You can't just let everything slide all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's okay. We need to understand. No, no. Hmm. 
Step the fuck up now and get it done. Feels good to me. Mm-hmm. I like being pushed by another man in that way. I need it. And that's been lost. And there's a way to do that that's not authoritarian. There's a way to do that with love and compassion. And firmness. But if we don't do that, if men don't do that, the world is going to go to hell. It's going to hell. That's why. Men are sitting back, whacking off to porn, playing video games, smoking weed, not taking responsibility. So I understand your dad's position. And also like, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I don't want to say, <laughs> I don't want to say anymore about that situation. Yeah. Maybe, maybe for, maybe there's something for Fur to, to have to face there. He's not going to get the apology. Right. Yeah, of course. And that's painful. Well, and we all have to feel that. We all have to feel the thing. I mean, that's, I think that's why the culture is out of control because listen, I tell this story all the time. Ring the bell if you yeah, ring the bell. <laughs> but but you know that that when we were doing the uh, uh, family constellations, when I was in my first year, and every family constellation ended not every but most of them ended with somebody on the floor in a regressed state screaming wailing for their father, mm-hmm. daddy, daddy, mm-hmm. and I played the father, so I was up close and personal feeling it. That's exactly what happened to me. That left a, left a lasting impact on me. Holy shit. What's underneath all this? Need, desire, a longing for the father to show up, mm-hmm. to be present, to be strong, mm-hmm. to support, to love, to be firm, to protect. The physical father and God the father, by the way. Mm-hmm. Reach out for God. Reach out for the father. I don't want to hear this bullshit about God as a woman. It's the father. It's an archetype. Brings order. Mother Earth. That's where the feminine is. But God is masculine. Reach for it. You need it. That's why you're so angry. And that's what they're doing over there at Sacred Sons. Rebuilding men. It's beautiful. It's what's needed. And it's loving, it's tender, it's compassionate. All of those things. It's also firm, direct, challenging. They're right in the sweet spot of it. How's that feel? Sexy? Are you turned on right now? You must be. I mean, what I'm saying is very hot. I mean, the women out there are just, right? Ladies? Well, you feel strong in what you're saying. I'll say that. (laughs) Okay, one hour and 30 minutes, right in the sweet spot. Is that enough, Angela? You have anything more to say? Is there anything more to talk about? Uh, workshop, December 9th through 11th, deep feeling, come. Thank you. Thank you.